podcast, Biblical Question. Glad you've joined us today and taken time out of your day to listen to our podcast. We hope and pray that you are encouraged by the podcast. I also would like to encourage you to go to our webpage, and there you can find out more about us and links to our social media pages on uh, Twitter and LinkedIn. You can also contact us there and make your prayer requests known or Bible questions known. And if you want, well, you can put your prayer request up on the webpage, and uh, we get about 50, 60 hits a week. And those other people can look at that and pray for you as well. We're just starting that out and, and hope that uh, people will take advantage of that. Today I want to talk about a cursed miracle. A cursed miracle. We're going to be in the book of Mark, if you want to follow along, chapter 11. And I want to start off here uh, by reading... Mark chapter 11, verses 12 through 14. It says, On the, the next day when they had left Bethany, he became hungry. Seeing at a distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if perhaps he would find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. For it was not the season for figs. In verse 14, he said to it, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples were listening. You know, miracle after miracle Jesus performed was good. Very few people would say it was bad, uh, except maybe those uh, leaders of the Jewish faith who uh, did not like him healing on the Sabbath. But that's another topic there. But he's healing the blind, he's healing the deaf, the sick, and the lame, he's feeding the hungry. Then the one and only time that Jesus did a destructive miracle should catch our eye and, and make us ask why. The one time Jesus curses something in the gospel count, it dies. When a fig tree was expected to have fruit on it, Jesus will curse the tree so that no one may ever eat fruit from it again, as we just read. And Jesus, I don't get the idea here that he whispered to this tree, the disciples were close enough around him and they heard his words that took place as they were headed toward Jerusalem. And let's continue reading here in Mark chapter 11, verse 15. And they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who were sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. Have you ever tried to picture Jesus here? Here he is. He just cursed this tree. The witnesses to the apostles, they see this. And, and now they're witnessing that he is causes this disturbance in the temple area. I mean, he's overturning tables. He's stopping trading and selling, and he's not letting anybody uh, walk through carrying anything to, through the temple area. If you would get your Bible out and look at the map, you would see that uh, people could cut across through the temple area and go out the back side uh, on their way to uh, out of town, and it would save them a lot of steps versus going out the main gate. Matthew would write, uh, Jesus would use a whip and, and run out the animals. 
and I've often asked myself and wondered what kind of facial expression that Jesus was displaying here in the temple. What about his tone of his voice? According to the Gospel of John's account, uh, he actually did this twice. There's two different occasions that he cleared out the temple area. You know, it might be easy to think that he was red-faced and yelling at them and forcing the money changers out of the temple area, but notice again here in verse 17, uh, Mark writes, he was teaching them. And what was Jesus teaching about? His house being a house of prayer for all nations. And perhaps pointing his finger at the money changers, and maybe he even had a spit line, and he yells, And you have made it a den of robbers. Some versions might say a den of thieves. The temple area in which this takes place, again, is rather large. And, and I've read uh, where the temple area really would take up several modern blocks, city blocks today, shadowing the size of our most church buildings today, for one man to be noticed in this little corner of the Temple Mount would have been gained everyone's attention. And Jesus was stopping all traffic through the Temple area, again, if you read here in verse 16. And I've already alluded to this, but if you, if again, if you would look at a map in your Bible of Jerusalem and the surrounding area, you would see that if you were coming from the market area going to Jericho, the fastest and shortest way was to cut through uh, the travel with your animals and everything uh, right through the temple area, right through the temple mount. I mean, why walk around the temple area if you can save time and steps? Uh, these folks didn't have automobiles or taxi cabs or whatever. And so walking, uh, if you can cut a few steps out after a long, hot day, they might add up at the end of the day. The once holy place has now been turned into a, a major highway for trade to pass through the area. In today's podcast, we, we need to try to understand that Jesus is all about the business of turning cursing back into a blessing. He would not allow anyone to carry items from the market into the temple area. And Jesus is teaching from the scriptures, and, and he will quote Isaiah 56 verse 7, I will bring to my holy mountain and make them a joyful in my house of prayer. The burnt offerings and sacrifices will it be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. There are three groups here being talked about. Those on the outside, those on the inside, and those who are just cast out without any hope. And Jesus here, he's laying it all out. He is saying, my house will be a house of prayer and one of joy. And don't you dare come trampling through my courts with your worldly activities and take away someone's joy and somebody's prayer time. The people were looking at this as a, a normal part of life, everyday life, and Jesus says, no. My time for God is personal, it's special, and we don't need the worldly distractions in here. Jeremiah chapter 7 verse 11 says, Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your eyes? Behold, I myself have seen it, 
declares the Lord. You know, Jesus' point here is that you're all just playing games with these people's souls, and you're playing games and how you worship me. And this is how and what Jesus is really applying here. There is nothing about a routine time at the temple. God does not desire us just to go through the motions, even on Sunday morning or evening, in our worship services. Because if this is all we're doing in our worship service on Sundays, we really have failed to understand what worship is all about. Let me continue here to talk about this fig tree and this curse in the temple area being overturned. We're going to pick back up in Mark 11, starting in verse 18. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him. For they feared him, because all the crowds were astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, they went out of the city. And as they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. Someone might be asking, what is this really all about? Is Jesus being mad at, at trees and furniture? It really has nothing to do with trees and furniture. It has to do with everything that is a symbolism here that Jesus is trying to make clear. Jesus is not mad at the tree or a stick of furniture. Jesus is upset what the fig tree represents. And the fig tree claims to have fruit. You know, go back and read that text again. You know, the leaves were out by its leaves. It was saying it had fruit. But upon looking at it, Jesus discovered it had nothing of value. And the tree represents the very temple area. The temple area says, confession to God. However, the confession does not keep up with the profession. One point here is, it's not enough to have a leaf of confession without daily fruit of our pro profession. It is not enough to have the leaf of confession without the daily fruit of our profession. Again, it's not enough to say, you have the living water of Christ in you, and the fruits of others can eat from it. It's not enough to say that you, you have the promise, but have no performance. If the fig tree could talk today, it would say Jesus was not angry at the tree. Jesus was rather, he was upset for what the tree represented. Jesus was upset with the people who were all show in those service. Have you ever noticed we are the fig tree? I mean, in a moment's glance, it gets a real bummed deal. Is it the fig season when figs and trees do not have figs? No, it, it doesn't. It's, it is not to have figs, and so it does not. But yet, it's still cursed. Is the king of glory, is our master telling us something today? That he expects us to produce fruit when people least expect it? 
Does our Lord and Savior, does he expect us to produce life like Christ when it is most difficult? Jeremiah 17 verse 8 says, He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green. It is not anxious in the year of the drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. Can we understand that we're, we are all being called to produce fruit each and every day of our lives for Christ? We're not just to have this confession, but we're also to have the profession. Not to just have a showy leaf of appearance, all talk and no show but to have a display of fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. God does not just call us in easy times, but he calls us in difficult ones as well. We need to produce fruit when it is least expected. I think we all stop and really reflect in our lives. And we probably haven't lived up to this expectation that Christ has laid out for his church in the early church, brothers and sisters were being thrown to wild animals as sport. History records how they went without even fighting. How people would offer up to adopt their children, but their parents would refuse, saying they would rather their children die with them and be with Christ than allow their children to be taught and raised in a pagan home. You know, I really, honestly, I can't imagine those difficult times. I'm not sure how many of us really have been tested to this extreme. Probably not in the United States. I know in some countries this could be a real reality today. And the church in America needs to wake up and understand this. They need to start praying for the persecuted church and their brothers and sisters around the world. You see, the brethren in the early church in the first century, they were led to slaughter for professing their faith. And today, nations such as the Philippines, Sudan, South Africa, and Indonesia are among some of the most persecuted nations on earth. Our brothers and sisters are in Christ are, are displaying fruit even in difficult times. And many of our brethren are being slaughtered for their profession of faith. I know one man in particular who was stoned by Muslims just because he was going to a Bible study and left for dead. Luckily some folks found him and got him home and, and got him some medical care. He's alive today and he's, he's preaching in a church. Thank God. But are we all sitting here today listening to this podcast where we're we can freely profess Christ and His love and, and love. And are we ready and are we willing to produce figs? Are we really and ready and willing to carry our cross to whomever and wherever Christ asked of us? I mean, we have freedoms in the United States that many people do not share, and yet they worship God openly. And publicly, they go to church, 
They don't care if their neighbors know where they're going to church. And we, and again in America, we need to start praying that this doesn't happen to us. I wonder so many times in prayer how many people in America would really survive that. The second point is the word from the temple to our temple. That temple I understood 2,000 plus years ago. We would be here today and, and reading this account. And Jesus would not permit anything in the temple that was not to be in the temple. Sometimes this week, uh, Satan's going to approach some of us, if not all of us, and he's going to tempt us. He will tease our thoughts and our, our words and our eyes that should pass through our temple. You may not be able uh, to understand all of it till it's over at the end of the day. And you may not be able to do this alone, but you need Christ who can. He can help you keep those things out of the temple that are not to be in the temple. Of course, I'm talking about the temple of our body. And I pray all of us would call on the only one, the Holy One, who kept things from entering into the temple that should not have. He has already proven He can keep out those things that should not be there. You see, Jesus, being God, has the ultimate power to do this. He is in the same business today as he was 2,000 some years ago. The same strong man who has bound Satan has the power to do in your temple today what he did here recorded in the book of Mark. Back to Mark in our account in chapter 11. Jesus has left the temple area and he will return the next morning. And what do you think has happened overnight? Do you think the people in the market have forgiven Jesus? What about the Jewish leaders? Do you think they came to their senses after they went home and slept on it and thought about it? Let's find out. Verse 22. And Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, Whoever says to this mountain, Be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive. And if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also in heaven may forgive you of your trespasses. You know, whatever mountain stands in front of you or whatever is weighing you down, Jesus says, have faith in God. Jesus says to pray about it. When dark days are all around and temptations have filled our days, have faith in God and pray. When you do not have answers to your issues in life, have faith in God and pray. You see, we're all called to have, a, have faith in God. And we're all called to have a meaningful prayer life. We are called to produce fruit when we do not have the desire to produce fruit. We are called to keep our temples clear of things that should not be there. We are called to forgive others when 
And if they don't even think they deserve forgiveness, you don't think they deserve it, but listen to Jesus in his very words. We are to forgive anything and anyone that might have sinned against us. And why is that? Well, verse 25 says, so that we may be forgiven. I'm not saying it's it's not easy to forgive somebody that's hurt you deeply. Because it's, it's not. And we're not created to forget. But God is saying that we need to find it in our hearts to forgive. We want forgiveness from others and we surely want forgiveness from God. So in turn we need to provide that back and do it willingly. If you notice here again in verse 25, it is in single person. It is not in, in a plural form. It basically says... I am called to forgive others so that I may be forgiven by the Father. And when I forgive others who have caused me heartaches, I am producing fruit and I hate or discontentment from entering the temple. That's the call that we all are supposed to do. We're supposed to keep those things out of our temples, our bodies. We're so plagued all around the world when we're bombarded by TV shows, commercials, books, you name it, of saying it's okay to live the life that you want to live and you can't help it if you're born a certain way. Or, and, and that's all garbage. It's very much against God. God does not talk that way. He doesn't teach anything like that at all in His Scriptures. But we should not hold things against others because it will turn to hate and a bad heart and a hard heart. I've not spotted a single person uh, anywhere in my life, anywhere I've ever preached, who had uh, holes in their wrists from nails. I haven't noticed anybody with holes in their feet. I've not noticed anyone or spotted anyone with stripes on their back from a Roman flogging. And I've not watched anyone walk on the water, raise the dead, or heal the blind. But we are called to produce fruit. And not to curse others so that they may die. We, we are called to keep my temple clear from the things that are surely not supposed to be there. If I, I live a life that can be identified as a follower or a disciple of Christ, others will follow. You know, as there's an old saying, you know, bad attitudes are easy to catch. Well, so are good attitudes and positive attitudes. We need to heed the message from Christ today, now. Or we are all at risk to be cursed by Christ, just like that tree. And we will die spiritually if we do not. I certainly hope that today's podcast has touched you in a way towards repentance. I certainly hope that you will pray to to Christ and ask Him to forgive you and that you will forgive others. If you need prayers and want to be on our prayer list, please email us and we will be happy to put you up on the the prayer list. Find a, a good Bible teaching church that teaches the whole Bible and not just certain verses. It's not a social club. But they really care about each other, and you care about them. And the whole goal is helping each other lift each other up and not tear each other down. 
And until next week, may God bless you. Uh, please check out our, our Twitter page and follow us if you're on Twitter or LinkedIn. Uh, we would be encouraged by that. Uh, don't be afraid to send us an email through our webpage or contact page if you need prayers. We will try to help you if you want to find a church in your area that's teaching the whole truth of God. I will do my best. Our staff here will try very hard to do that. It may not be possible, but we, we certainly will try. We pray that uh, also that you've been edified in your growing, in your life, in your walk with Christ, and that you'll continue to be uh, our listener. And we are encouraged by many emails that we get each week. Again, may God bless you and may he have the glory.